Welcome back. Riding hard on that episode 7, coming in strong. You know, we've touched base on a lot of things over the past couple of episodes, and first and foremost, I just want to say thank you for sticking in with me as we are coming to a, a closing with the last few episodes we have. And we are going to just keep diving deep into these perspectives that allow us to communicate better with ourselves, with our loved ones, to allow parents to understand how they can better support and listen to their youth, for the youth to understand the voice that they have and how they can create a better connection with understanding how to better use their voice rather than to lash out in anger and in upsetness, but to really truly communicate how they feel in a way that will allow for growth on both ends. And today we're going to be talking a lot about problem and conflict solving. When we talk about how to deal with conflict, the first thing people always assume is anger, aggression. You have to be headstrong, stand your ground, be firm. But we overlook one of the most important things is with every conflict must come a solution. And sometimes that solution comes with taking a step back, owning your own issues, being accountable for saying I'm wrong, understanding the clarity that must come with that 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 communication, that back and forth. But most importantly, it's that transparency. And all of that goes back to the, the to the quota quota, that clarity, ownership, transparency, and accountability. But we also want to make sure we're promoting problem solving in a right way and being the example that needs to be set within our home, within ourselves, within our personal boundaries. And referring to kids, well, kids who lack the problem solving skills tend to avoid taking action when they're confronted with a problem and is a reason why many tend to fall behind in school or struggle to maintain friendships. They just don't know how to deal with it. And while other kids spring into action without recognizing their choices, most childs, they may hit a peer who cuts in front of them in line because they're not sure what else to do or they may walk out of a class when being teased at and they can't think of another way to make it stop. And this will create bigger problems in the long run. You know, I, I grew up in an era where it was right before the internet, you know, um, early 90s. We had to deal with things in many different ways. When it comes to your, your typical bullying, a lot of times it was a, a, a era of where it was promoted for you to handle your things with a physical result or physical action. Whereas nowadays you have what we like to call the keyboard warriors where they can bully and, and offend and tear down one another without even showing their face, giving them that, that sense of empowerment. And research has found that you can teach even a young child how to solve their problems uh, themselves when it comes to their mental health. And we, we are challenging that, you know, kids that are twice as young as us by the time they're in middle school, have their own phones, have their own online accounts, and they have an access to the world. But on the other side, the world has access to them. And it's hard to improve their mental health when the world is affecting them and we feel so small and insignificant against such a powerful animal. So let's go into a couple of ways to identify how we can work through these issues. 
first one we're going to talk about is going to be identifying problems. And this starts with helping our children state the problems such as, you don't have anyone to play with at the school, is that right? Well, let's work on that. By saying this out loud, by speaking it into the world, this allows them to understand and hear it for themselves, get that voice out of their mind, and acknowledge why they feel stuck. Another one is to develop at least five doable solutions. Remember, with every conflict requires a solution. And this is where brainstorms make things possible in solving that don't necessarily have to be good ideas. Even something that's silly is a possible solution. The key is to help them see with a little creativity, it can be found in many different potential solutions to a problem. And this is a great way to allow them to work through their issues, allow them to make these mistakes because for every mistake is a lesson learned, for every lesson learned is a weapon for the future, and for every weapon in the future is a more confident foundation in which they're able to stand on. The third would be identify pros and cons of each solutions. Now you're able to identify the good and bad. That's like saying I locked my keys in the car. I have two solutions. One is to bust out the window and get the key. Another one is to call a locksmith. They're both solutions, but one is a pro and one is a con. Depending of course how you look at that. But helping your child find those potential positive and negative consequences for each potential solution is imperative for allow them to build a perspective. They have to understand what both sides of the fence looks like. And then allow them to pick a solution. Once your child has evaluated the possible positive and negative outcomes, encourage them to pick one. Now, of course, it's going to be hard for us not to tell them to pick the right one in our eyes, the positive one, but we want them to be able to be empowered to make a choice. And if they make a good one, okay, that's great. You, you have an idea of where they're at. If they pick a negative one, you have an understanding of what they typically are leaning towards and how you can better assist them. Because the last um, step so that you can do is to test it out. That means you want to tell them to try a solution and see if it happens. And if it doesn't work out, there's always another solution from that list. If they choose a negative and it doesn't work out for them, then they can choose a positive. You can use these approaches even when you're encountering behavioral issues or to help the child become independent. Sit down together and ask them, what can we do to make sure this doesn't happen again? Let's problem solve together. Let them try and develop solutions on their own. Allow them to write it down in a notebook or to put a little sticky note and place it on the mirror every morning when they brush their teeth that they can look at it. Something to do before they leave. The other times we talked about giving them actions that they can complete small steps to give them accountability and accomplishments throughout the day. And let this be one of them because they need to be able to develop these creative solutions on their own. You will not always be there, but the tools you give them and what you teach them can allow you to constantly be influencing their decisions. Natural consequences may teach them problem skills as well. You know, for example, you can have a teenager that says, I wanna spend all my money the first 10 minutes I get to the store on everything I want. And you already gave them an allowance. You said, this money I give you is all you're getting. 
And if it's gone within the first 10 minutes of them going to the store, hanging out with their friends, going to the mall, well, guess what? They have to go out the rest of the day without spending any money if they want to keep it, what little they have. And they'll also understand the next time they may have to make better choices to make it stretch a little longer. But then we also have to look at the conflict management skills. When growing up or nearing early teenage years, there's always going to be that clash with friends or the you as the parents experiencing what they're going through more often as they become more independent and have different views and opinions. And as a parent dealing with the conflict in effective ways, you can help your child learn the important skills of life. Stay calm. Stop what you're doing. Make eye contact. Listen and treat each other with respect. Be open to hearing the other person's point of view. And when you finish, you can talk. Try not to interrupt. Give them that little bit of respect because that will empower them to do the same for you. Both people have to be open about their feelings so the other person can understand why and where they're coming from. You know, you can look at it as confrontation versus carefrontation. It's a speed bump. The ability to go over something in a relationship and cleaning things up by slowing down, taking a look, and then deciding to do things differently. Whereas if you don't address the bump, the elephant in the room, it can become a stop sign, eventually, which will bring the relationship to a hold, and this will not allow you to communicate. And with all the yelling and upset anger that may come out of words, sometimes it's the silence that does the most damage. Confrontations might say, I am right, you are wrong, and breaks down the, the friend or family relationship. And this also dismantles a lot of trust that may be hard to work and build and gather and be tolerant. You can easily turn this confrontation into a carefrontation by intentionally completing the conversation while the relationship isn't intact. You don't necessarily have to say, I'm sorry, but you have to acknowledge what the issue is and attempt to work through it. Here's a couple of steps that you can think about when you come to a carefrontation. First, honor the person across from you, the person that you're having issues with, and start at level one. Heck, even start at level zero. Take it back to the drawing board. And then take the person up by listing two things that you appreciate about the person. We talked about this the last time with allowing the kids to write down things they love about themselves and they appreciate about themselves, putting it in a hat, allowing somebody else to take it out and read it. Now you can do this actively in real time for yourself or your friend. You could tell them, I love you and I appreciate you for, you know, the same thing you could do in a mirror, Kenny. I appreciate that you are committed to getting things done. And I appreciate you for telling me how you feel. That man in the mirror for me is always a person who's going to be the most honest. List those two things you can to respect and admire or love about that person. Tell them how much you respect and admire or you love them. And when something comes up, try to lead with that so you can address the issue. Eliminate making anything wrong and making by making a genuine request, such as saying, I need you, I need your support, I need your love, I need your understanding, I need you to listen, I need your feedback, I need 
this works better for me if you just I would like to make sure we're partnering so we can I don't want to be defensive so you must allow me to you know those simple statements are so powerful I need your support in getting to school on time so we are committed to the education I need your support in telling me what you need before I can figure something out even saying asking those confirming questions can we make a new agreement too ask for a solution by working together then wait for the response to see if that person agrees about what they need to do to work with you take a close friend or family member and practice having a carefrontation journal what comes up write it down on your phone make a note another method for simple requests or conflicts with a person is in general is to again use the main parts of those strategies we just gave we talked about this a couple episodes back where we talked about the the five strategies and how you can cope and for instance by being open to someone's feelings so that they can understand why you wanted to do a certain way or why you want to say no explain it to them it's okay sometimes as parents you want to say because i said so and there may be situations that that's warranted but imagine if they understand why they tend to get rid of that question or for you to have to say that statement and despite our best efforts one of you might take a while to calm down or, or after you feeling disappointed and that's okay it's okay to accept that and express that you are giving yourself space let them know let them walk away and come back with a thought process that's not filled with anger and resentment. Remember, we're feeding the right wolf when we have these conversations, and we don't want to feed the wolf of evil, we want to feel the wolf of love. And it might also know and help that teenagers are still learning how to express feelings and growing. They're going through a whole world of emotions changing. I'm the father of three girls, and I'm going through my first oldest who is experiencing that, that growth and changing as she becomes a woman, and it's terrifying how her anger gets. But it's also such a beautiful thing to watch her become herself and find that that avenue that she can say this is me this is who i am this is who i want to become and supporting her in that endeavor whether it's an approval or not it's all about the acceptance we have for one another and sometimes they might need to express it in, in very very strong ways and all they need is just to be heard and we as parents are still learning how to handle their strong feelings in a case where you are experiencing a conflict that needs these quick resolving, you can always think about it as something that uh, Bren Brown calls the choice theory. Now, Bren has said, as a teen, you can tell your you can tell that your friends have two choices. You can either stop gossiping, or you can start hating. And this typically is around friends. He gave the example of to gossip behind the back or to engage in these kind of endeavors means friendships can't happen because you're gonna hurt one another. And that typically leads to hating that they have to, you're giving me the choices of either being your friend with all you talking about behind my back or you choosing a negative action that will result in us not being friends. It is a consequence to have to make, especially when you're burdening somebody else to make that choice due to their actions. Now, as a parent, you can say to your child, 
you have two choices. You can hand over your phone or we'll take it away from you. And when I have to take it away from you, you will lose the privilege of having it until X amount of time. And I would hate that for you because I don't want it to be your choice. So what is your choice? In that way, your child is going to have to decide. And you can also teach as you take the responsibility for its actions and giving them a choice. And if you have to set consequences in place, you know, make sure that these consequences are related to the behavior. Don't take their phone away because they did something that didn't result in them needing to take it away in the first place. If it's something out of annoyance, if it's something out of just uh, misunderstanding, that shouldn't be used as a punishment because eventually they're going to resent you for that. Yeah, yes, they're going to be mad that you took it away in the first place. But if that's the one thing that constantly happens regardless of what they do, it's not going to make sense. And that's just going to make them hate you even more. Now, you can also have them understand and tell you the consequence when you're engaging with this before you ask them to make their choice. So that way, they are acknowledging out loud, speaking into fruition, the consequence that they are ready to engage in, in order to have X result. And if the child makes the poor choice, please make sure to implement the consequence and follow through and be taken seriously, so that their, your youth can make a better choice, hopefully the next time. Conflict is okay, but violence isn't. So if your child or your friend or your family member is showing early signs of wanting to be violent, it can help to say that you won't speak to the person while they're upset. You can give a clear message that that behavior is not okay. You can set clear boundaries and walk away from the situation. Let the person know that you're willing to talk to them and work things out and will sit and you will collaborate once they are no longer in that state. And if the youth is angry at you, the parent, for something that you did to hurt them, show that you understood how it affected them. Say you're sorry. Say you're sorry. And then ensure that the same thing will never happen again. Because if you feel angry as well as them, it is up to you to take a breath and notice what you're feeling. Even if you're in the middle of a conversation with your child, take that time out so you can work on how you're going to deal with their feelings first. This isn't always easy and it takes practice. Lord knows I am guilty of this, but I have also been guilty of learning better ways of dealing with conflict, especially in the household. Now, if the child has experienced violence, it might take that professional touch to help them feel safe and learn new ways to cope and behave. Same as if you were finding it hard to control your own personal anger. And this is typically stoked by responding to how we do with criticism. We all have a difficult time in hearing criticism as we connect it with rejection and feelings of defectiveness. We can therefore get angry, lash out, become quiet, or criticize the other people around us, which are passive or aggressive approaches that can harm the relationship, and you must always be aware. How to differentiate from criticism healthily. Constructive criticism is helpful feedback that improves situations such as, you are good in, or I like you to improve on, or if you can do this instead, you will be much better and therefore making a better certain areas. 
but I always look at it as any kind of criticism is going to be good because if a person takes the time to tell you how they feel, whether it's negative or positive, they're giving you the tools to overcome something to work on, something to consider. They're giving you awareness. And if you're some individuals that are not angry or critical by nature and do not realize that they're hurting feelings of other persons, then you are usually dealing with a destructive criticism, which is typically makes you feel bad about yourself. And again, if people have an opinion that makes you feel a certain way and they can't respect that, that is their fault and you do not need them in your life. Because to be destructive, you know, it's hard to try not to make negative comments and then go and take them seriously as coming from such people that can only demean and put themselves higher on this horse. There is no equality. So when people criticize you in this particular way, you don't have to agree or let it in. Who cares? Let them go. You can choose to block it out. Most critical people have the most criticism reserved for themselves. Therefore, it's just as taking a breath and know it's insecurities that you have and not about you to put them. You can always talk to a family friend and practice having these care these carefrontations and making sure that you're writing them down. Making sure that you're working through them. Because if you're not problem solving, what are we doing? How are we working through this? It starts with acknowledging. Acknowledge by saying, I am sorry you feel this way. But I don't agree. Thanks for sharing that. I don't happen to agree. Yes, I am late and I know it's inconsiderate to keep you waiting. These type of things, these simple acknowledges, acknowledgements do so much. People also do what we call clouding. Like, could you repeat that? Which challenges people and they have to back away or you can ask, are you trying to make me feel bad? Which makes the person back away as well or by the way, since we are sharing, did you know that critical people have the most reserve for themselves? Or you can just agree with something that you're okay with and ignore the rest of the instance. You can say you never have time for your friends anymore. Sure, that may be the correct statement. And that person may not have time right now. But you also don't know that they may be dealing with complicated situations. Which means sometimes taking a little bit of time to probe is always the best way to really get down to the nitty gritty. For mainly those who are confused or in doubt and the criticism about being manipulative or not the intention of having it just don't know you don't know why a person may not be putting in effort you don't know why they're not willing to contribute to a better way of communicating you don't know you just don't but it's easy to deal with it by saying what exactly can I do for you what is annoying you about the things that I do? What can I work on to make you comfortable around me? What do you need? 
how may I support? Probing questions and asking how you can be better, it's an always important feature of understanding the next stages of life. And when you have a conflict easily turned around, when you acknowledge these things and you ask the right questions that are supportive, not attacking, you can do so much more than just solve a conflict. You can do so much more than provide a solution. What you can do is be the focused resource so that when people approach you, they already know they're gonna get what they need. So let's make sure at the end of the day, when we deal with conflict, we're providing a solution and making sure we're keeping that self-talk strong. Till next time.